This is really about being free to create what you want your life to look like. We each are our own hero. And how do we take the challenges that come our way and see those as the birth process of us becoming heroic? Can you meet that judgment that ultimately will surface with neutrality? This is the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. Welcome back, everybody, to the Wall Street Coach with Kim Ann Curtin. And today I want to introduce to you Lucas Peterson, who is going to be my new co-host. And Lucas is uh, you know, a man of many talents, but one of the talents is his production. He's going to be producing this podcast for me and being my co-host. But Lucas is also a coach uh, on the Wall Street Coach. He specializes in working with traders, especially new traders. Um, and he also is recently certified in something called the Judgment Index, which we're going to talk about. But I want it, I want the audience to just learn a little bit about you, Lucas. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here and for working with me. I, you know I'm a huge fan of you. So please <laughs> tell our audience like a little bit about yourself, you know, how you found yourself here and, uh, you know, kind of what your, what your favorite things to do are. Yeah, thanks, Kim. Uh, it's it's great to be here. I am so happy to be one working with you, but two working on this podcast with you. Um, so yeah, I've I've actually probably got involved um, primarily in trading and investing uh, about ten years ago. Um, I was in college uh, when I opened up my uh, first account, and I was I read Benjamin Graham's uh, The Intelligent Investor. And I basically just followed every rule in that for so long um, and was investing in, you know, uh, big companies that I had faith in and knew would do well. Uh, and then I started to do what Benjamin Graham calls speculate and started in <laughs> investing in companies that may not do so well. Um, and some of them worked and most of them didn't. And that's when I realized the ones that didn't, I probably could have just traded and done a lot better. So I kind of flipped my perspective and started doing a lot of um, short-term swing trading uh, and some day trading, even though I was under the PDT. So I didn't really, uh, uh, <laughs> wasn't able to go too big with that. But that's, uh, that's my experience trading. Um, and we got hooked up uh, a few months ago and I feel like it's just been uh, very great since then. Um, and I'm happy to be on the team now uh, and working with you and look forward to working with others. So yeah, that's kind of my background. Awesome, awesome. And am I remembering correctly that Nevada and uh, the gambling capital of the world <laughs> yeah, is, so, is in your blood? <laughs> yeah, so I'm originally from Northern Nevada, um, uh, the Reno Tahoe area. And yeah, uh, basically, yes, gambling is in our blood. Um, Are the babies so, born with dice in their hands? <laughs> I, I've yeah. that. <laughs> uh, yeah, at, on the blackjack table, that's where they deliver children. Um, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so gambling it, it is definitely in. I feel like everyone in Nevada who's who's from Nevada has this um, uh, one knowledge of gambling. Uh, two um, is a little afraid of it because they've just seen that it's the economy, and we know how that works. We know that that's uh, the the casinos win, and that's you can win. Every, rarely, but that's really all about luck. And so that's one of the things, um, you know, in my twenties, uh, I was, uh, I, I got into gambling a little bit. Um, but when you're doing it like 
blackjack or craps or any any of the like table games at the casinos it's really it's really just luck and so that's where i fell in love with the stock market because it's not just luck um it's it's one technical analysis it's two um understanding the other people like that are trading and the swings that are happening with the market are usually swings that are happening with the public perspective um, and perception of what companies are doing and so i found that really fascinating and you can kind of once you get in tune with that you can you have a little bit of an edge over what is maybe going coming down the pipeline so yeah i yeah. almost feel like being born in nevada and experience rather exposure to just how uh you know how risky it is is probably a bit of an edge because i don't think most people are exposed at the level that you would be in nevada and it's like a cautionary tale probably all around you i imagine <laughs> yeah it can be um there are definitely you so the crazy thing is is if you're not uh like familiar with nevada and you haven't spent much time there is if you go into a gas station like there's slot machines in the gas station like there is gambling everywhere and that's those are the people you know like those people like definitely there's a problem and there's an addiction um to to gambling there when you're you know going driving two miles down to the road to just play the the slots while you're uh, filling up your tank or whatever that's that's a problem and I, I think there's there can be and um, I'm kind of worried with the some of the younger traders that are getting into trading right now and mm. like platforms like uh, Robinhood that make it so addictive like yes. I mean we it's it's like documented that like social media is being used to, as a like a slot machine in your pocket right um, and so I'm, I'm in a way I'm uh, nervous for younger traders who don't have the experience and who are just like rushing into trading um, without the knowledge of what they're doing because of like the addictive nature of our devices and and just the up and down of the market is that's addictive like there's 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 science behind it so there's there is science and that accessibility now that it is just in your pocket and even at least in nevada you have to drive two miles to get to the other yeah. gas station the slot machine you don't have yeah. to even drive anywhere now you can you know pull that thing out yeah. and I, and you know you you and i recently we talked about the concept of the dopamine fix or taking yeah. dopamine detox and that's what's happening especially it's it, you're getting a dopamine hit just pulling your phone out never mind pulling it out and potentially you know experiencing the way the market is now which is not usual and maybe yeah. it is the new normal but the point is you're still going to be uh is not healthy because the addiction can easily set in i think yeah yeah absolutely i agree yeah it's, it's it's definitely you know and and if if you're listening to this and you're wondering to yourself oh i'm not going to get addicted i just want to say like as soon as you hear yourself say that i would say you're in danger <laughs> danger yeah. danger will robinson you know from yeah. that old tv show lost in space it's like oh no don't think you are going to be different because you are a human being you built the same like all of us and i do think some people have more addictive qualities based on probably their attachment style, which we're going to talk a little bit about today too. Yeah. Uh, I do think uh, addictions can become more uh, encompassing if you have not come from a really uh, healthy 
uh, attachment style, which is something that happens in our, you know, not just our childhood, but our infancy, if you will. It, it yeah. certainly, you know, goes for a while, but it's the experience we have even in the womb of our mother, never mind in those first uh, couple of years uh, after being born. And we'll, oh, and we'll wow. talk about more of that in a little bit, but we're, we're going to kind of go in a couple of places today, aren't we, Lucas? Yeah. But before we do that, I want to just have people understand, uh, you know, some of what you, you know, because you're on the team now for, to, to be available to work with some of the traders that come into us. Uh, and besides, you're helping me produce all the courses that we're going to have mm -hmm. up soon on tradingherojourney.com. Uh, That's the website where all the new courses will be. Uh, Luke has been working really hard and helping me get the courses kind of in order and, uh, you know, get out the information we see traders most in need of. Uh, you know, what, what do you work on with traders? Just so the, the traders that are listening that aren't maybe in a position to invest in working with me personally or some of the other coaches on the team, what is it they could look forward to having in their coaching with you uh, just in general so they get a sense of what, to, what they could expect? Yeah, um, I think so. This is a kind of a roundabout way of answering that question, but the... Uh, the things that like matter to me the most and the things I find that found that I was lacking and I find that other people might be lacking uh, and then come into effect their trading is the, the things that I, I try to use as like a guiding light are uh, emotional intelligence um, and being aware of my emotions and where I'm at right now in my life and how that's affecting um, everything I do because we, we hold these things in every place like it, it doesn't matter if you have like an argument at work you're gonna bring that home during uh if you're going to work obviously uh or if you you know go to the grocery store and you know right now if you if you are a person who uh is really concerned about like personal space and uh especially with COVID, and somebody's in your space like you're gonna hold that and it, if you don't deal with it um so i'm a big advocate of acknowledging our emotions dealing with them um, in a healthy way and not just uh, numbing them with, you know, alcohol or drugs or, I mean, that those are great releases uh, in certain circumstances and necessary and good for people that do. Um, but then I'm also a huge advocate for uh, physical uh, wellness as well. Um, and I think that's part of making up the, the whole person uh, is our, our emotional intelligence, our physical intelligence, if you will, um, and also spiritual intelligence, like um, some sort of guiding light in your life that you see as a, uh, a bigger thing around you. Because um, these things are all going to come into play with, with how you interact with the world. And if you're a trader, it's gonna come into play with how you interact with your trades. Um, if you, and all of these things together help build confidence uh, from, where, from where I stand. And so having these things in alignment, having these things in balance will help you feel confident in the things you do and they'll help you feel confident in the way you trade, honestly, and the way you lead things in, in your personal life and your work life. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That's great. I'm glad they, you know, you explained it that way to, because I think, I think at the end of the day, how a trader approaches their trading is, is going to be very unique to them, unique to their personality, to their disposition. And yet the three things that you just mentioned, uh, those three things are going to be always showing up regardless of the personality, 
regardless of whether you're a short trader or long trader, like you, you're going to have certain things you're going to inevitably bump into. And I think those three things, if you're, if you're really uh, conscious around your emotional intelligence and always improving it, a willingness to realize that, you know, your physical self is going to impact your ability to be present to your trading. And then your, uh, that sense of spirituality, that sense of wholeness, uh, all those, it's like a trifecta in my opinion of the things that impact trading that most times I don't think a lot of traders, unless they're really, you know, kind of advanced, they're not really paying attention to They're They're just, yeah. especially at the beginning, just wanting to understand the flu, the language, right? The fluency, what yeah. it is. There's they're so many, it's, it's the so most competitive <laughs> game in the world. It's like how much? It's, yeah. Pay, it's pay like, attention to. So I'm also a big follower of sports and uh, sports betting, obviously, because <laughs> Nevada. But um, yeah, it's because like- Because of Nevada? <laughs> yeah, because, well, yeah, I grew up playing sports. I, I, and so a lot of- and there's a lot of, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of crossover between like sports gambling and trading. Um, I'd be interested to see if there's any, uh, like some, some statistics behind it, but I'll bet there is. Don't, because don't you feel all these people who couldn't bet on sports all plowed into yeah, the Yeah, just moved world? into the market. That's yeah. what I think. <laughs> back in, back I mean, in March. <laughs> certainly Portnoy, yeah. like Portnoy, I think Portnoy was like the Pied Piper that took all the sports betting people. Yeah, probably. Like played that little with flute and everybody who bet on sports just followed him into it. Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, so trading is like, knowing all of the statistics at baseball and then knowing the how to like use them within minutes like you have to have do all these this analysis and then like use them and also look at the past history and uh you know there's there's so many things that are happening and so there's uh yes it's very difficult to just wrap your brain around the the iq part of trading when you're getting started that you have no idea that like we are we are just emotional beings. Everything we do in life is based on emotion, like whether we want to believe that or not. Uh, and so you like have no idea, but most of the trades you're making are probably based on like, I don't want to, especially when you're new, it like, I just, I think it's going up and I don't want to miss it now because it, I'll never get it back and, and I'll hate myself if it goes up. But what's possibly happening is you're not totally reading the charts right because all these things are happening and you're not totally there yet, but that's yep. okay. It just takes practice. It takes time. And it also yep. takes, uh, in my opinion, a lot of awareness to recognize why you're doing things. Totally. So. What were we going to talk about today? And then should we talk to <laughs> well, one, like we're going down a whole the biggest, the biggest, I know, right. But that's okay. I think it all ties together. Um, the, the biggest thing we are going to talk about today is uh, the relationship with money um, mm. and how we all have a different relationship with money and your approach to money, your outlook on money, how all these things kind of influence uh, probably choices you make in your life. I mean, it's, it is, money is like the driving factor in so many people's uh, existence. And we aren't even aware of it because we've, we're, we, we have evolved from this, these things that would just go out and, you know, pick berries. And that's, that was your form of, of, of money, if you will, was just you yep. staying alive, staying in existence. And then now we've, we live in a society and uh, we have systems in place that are your berries, if you will, is money. And you have to figure out how to get more of it and like move it around. And that's, that's, and so you, the way you look at it and approach it will be different. Um, so yeah, what, um, what are some, uh, some, some approaches to money that you've seen in, in, 
your experiences? I mean, there's a lot of nuance, but I think the two, you know, easy ones to speak to is the scarcity mindset uh, and then the abundance mindset. And, and also, you know, I, I learned a lot from a book called Money Harmony, uh, which has a, a free assessment. I think you just did recently. I do send yeah. that a lot of times to clients. It's, you know, it's not the most, it's not a fully granular assessment, but it's a nice quick overview to give you a sense of uh, her. She identifies the money types as uh, um, a hoarder, a money monk, uh, a... Uh, yeah. I think I have them. The, the spender. Yeah, yeah um, spender. Avoider. Yes. A hoarder, a masser. Yeah, yes. I think yes. those are... I, I know when I first took that assessment, uh, and the website, I think is moneyharmony.com, uh, where you'll find the assessment. Uh, you know, that, when I first did that, one of the things that showed up in mine, I can't, I can't remember the original numbers I had, but I definitely had uh, evidence of a money monk. And a money monk has a tendency to think that money is dirty or spiritually mm. impure or not, uh, you know, good some somehow and i you know it it was sort of a slap across my face because i uh this is i probably took it honestly over 10 years ago and i had just left you know making a great salary and was still struggling to get you know the business off the ground and i remember thinking "Ooh, that's not good if i have a money monk predisposition then that means there's something unconsciously inside of me operating that potentially is holding money at bay and mm-hmm. i thought "Ooh, i better work on that right away or i'm not going <laughs> to be able to stay afloat for very long so yeah, yeah. Though, that and i i feel that that is a big part of you know, they, there's a conversation. Uh, I'm not sure she talks about it in her book. But her name, what is her name again? The woman who created um, me. Olivia Mellon. Uh, right, right. Olivia yeah. Mellon. Just want to give her a shout out. Um, yeah. she, you know, I think that, I don't know if it's her book or some other book where they talk about, you know, what happens to lottery winners. When lottery winners, uh, mm, yeah. oftentimes the reason lottery winner, I think it's T. Harvecker, actually. I had read T. Harvecker's book, uh, Secrets of a Millionaire, the Millionaire Mind, Mindset, and had done a course with T. Harv. And, you know, T. Harv is a big personality. He's definitely a salesman. You know, I know he annoys some people, but I loved him. I thought he was really, <laughs> thought he was really handsome, too, to be quite honest. And that, you know, I could get a I little dreamy eyes sometimes. I never hurt anybody. But, I went to his workshop in New York City, and it was a full room of people. And there's moments where it's a little hokey. You know, you have to turn to the person next to you and, you know, kind of point at their chest and be like, you have a millionaire mind, you know. So it gets a little mm, a little yeah, crazy yeah. at times. But the point is, it was, it was him just doing some really in-our-face confrontation with what our uh, relationship to money was. And yeah. I'm pretty sure he, in his book, talked about, that we have a money temperature set similar to our house. If we set our thermostat at 68, you know, it, the house will take note, okay, we have to put on the air conditioner to get it back to 68, yeah. or we have to put on the heat to get it to mm-hmm. 68. And he said, if you don't really take a hard look at what your money 
thermostat is, you are going to always be in kind of service to that unconsciously and spoke to lottery winners because a lot of times people who take lotteries usually are poor and middle class. They too have that money temperature. And if they don't do some work around it, then they probably in a year or two will not have that money uh, because the way they respond to it, it will be kind of like, I have to get myself back to the temperature set I'm used to, which is where the comfort zone is. Uh, Especially, I think the other thing too that I've heard, I don't have scientific evidence of this, but that you are, uh, you and your income is equal to the average of five people in your circle, your closest friends, uh, Mm. that you will have a tendency to uh, stay kind of at that level Level, and it it doesn't mean kick your friends to the curb you know yeah but but because of the tribe because we're tribal beings Mm -hmm. especially for new traders i feel this speaks a lot to them uh because they probably have a lot of resistance around them they probably have a lot of people who are discouraging them uh and or not being traders and so it's hard for them to understand what you're doing as a new trader and it could be that your wins uh you find that Perhaps if you start to have success, you start to really find consistency. People around you might be not just jealous, but threatened. Like, who's this guy? Who's he think he is or she? You know, who's she to to go this route? And and that unconsciously, who who wants to be the odd man out? Nobody. Who wants to feel like my friends don't like me anymore? They're annoyed at me or they're jealous of me, right? That's not a good feeling. So it could be that you begin to unconsciously not do so well because you realize that those friends are maybe now not calling you back as often or not asking you out to the barbecue party when we have them again in the midst of this crazy pandemic. (laughs) But you know, that feeling of being left out, uh, I think can unconsciously bias you as well to start perhaps not having that consistency or success. So there's a lot of factors around our relationship to money to at least be conscious of. Um, What did you find about that assessment that spoke to you or helped you see yourself or your relationship Um, to money? Yes. So if I remember correctly, um, mine was because I did a, a, I think it was a month ago or two. um, And it was because it kind of gives you like um, levels of how you scored um, and where the places you scored. And mine was hoarder. Um, and a masser, and then a little bit of money monk as well. So, which, and when I'm, you know, reflecting on it is, uh, I think probably true. And that's the thing with this assessment is like, it was kind of just like, these are some sentences. How do you like, do you align with which one? And they're not how I would perfectly align with any of them, but that's, I yeah, would say it's right. pretty accurate. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, like, cause one, like I got into like, uh, the stock market in general by just like investing and like Benjamin Graham's like the Warren Buffett approach where it's just like invest in the big companies, the ones that you like are have a 20 year track record that are not going to go down and like they'll probably make you five to 10% a year. And I was like, that sounds great. And so, and, <laughs> but then, you know, uh, and, and I, I also thought the, it was interesting, the money monk, like the, um, the one about like, uh, where money's kind of dirty, um, because I had a little bit of that. Um, and I think part of that was influenced by uh, my parents had uh, a lot of money in the market. And then every, the bottom fell out in 2008. Um, and I was, you know, uh, in 
my late teenage years and kind of like figuring out how money worked in the world. And it was like, yeah, I had this really negative look uh, outlook on the stock market for a few years because of that, because it was like, wow, everybody just loses money. Like you, it, it, a lot of, and then in the news comes out that uh, like, uh, you know, people at the top are benefiting from this and we've yes. all us like uh, middle-class and uh, working class people are uh, suffering because of it. And so that's, <clears throat> That was really discouraging, but I think having that awareness and coming around to, oh, to it uh, has actually helped me like work through that and That's awesome. found ways to to see the potential in different ways of making money. Because once again, we we all have to make it, and we all want more yeah. of it. Like, <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we even, do. But, even but, but how great! Yeah. How great that you got were willing to, you know. Be, you, you, there are people who have that happen to their parents or to another close, you know, group of people, and then will avoid the market for the rest of their life. Yeah. And yeah. yet you didn't. You were willing to say, "Huh, I'm going to take a walk around this. I have an opinion now that's perhaps negative, but maybe it is biased, and maybe I have to look a little bit deeper." And and if anything, the first thing I thought of too was after that OA crisis, I think a lot of young people had a real bad taste in their mouth about Wall Street. Yeah. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. That's like, when the like the one percent. Uh, that's the yeah. Occupy Wall, Wall Street. Yep. That was. Yep. I mean, I was. It, that was right before, like, I remember that vividly before opening an account, uh, <laughs> like an E-Trade account, because I was just like, yeah, like, screw Wall Street. I don't wanna... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't want to give them my money. <laughs> yeah. But then it was like, you read a little bit and it's like, it's been around, the, the market's been around for, you know, uh, yeah. centuries. And so yeah. it's yeah. The, not much changes in it. it the no. only changes. Well, it does, it does change, but change is part of its consistency. So it's like, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and even the concept of like 08 being a time that like the bottom dropped out, like kind of now the young people who have gotten in, you know, I know a couple of people who've even said like, oh, well, the market only goes up. I won't say his name, but I did say it earlier in the podcast. <laughs> he was saying at some points the market only goes up. And I was like, okay, that is just not good advice, people. <laughs> no, I mean, I literally look right now. I mean, it's before the election, uh, like COVID cases are going back up and the market is in like a it's it's dropping faster than i've seen it drop besides a what early march this year or middle march like yep it's it is it is falling rapidly right now and that's uh it's for and so a couple different mindsets that i have one my trading mindset is like scared uh but my investment mindset is also seeing an opportunity because it's like you know wait until things balance out find the bottom and jump in but that's there's it. But it's terrifying when it's happening because you just want your money to go up and then you have to remember exactly. it's, not, it's not going to. It's <laughs> just not the way up. it works. <laughs> and if it is only going up, then you probably are in a scenario similar to all those people, poor, poor people who invested in Bernie Madoff who did yeah. show them that his, he was only ever going up. But nothing yeah. in this world ever just goes up unless no. it's a scam. Yeah. And, and even when you're trading, you're going to have good days and like even the best traders have great days and then they also have, you know, tens of thousands of dollars lost days. And that's, that's just part of the game. Like it, it, the, the trick is to just try to keep it, keep it above, you know, above 50%. So, yeah. And, and we just, uh, you know, Steven Johnson uh, and Tim Bowen just interviewed, I think it was last week or the week before, and I wasn't able to be on that podcast. Uh, 
was an interview with, uh, what's his name? Chris. It's Chris, Chris Verma, Chris Verma. So Chris Verma just came on the City Trade podcast like, you know, a week ago or so, and he's passed the million dollar mark. And I think he came into that conversation that day with a huge loss. And, you know, Stephen, uh, who had asked him to come on the podcast said, you know, uh, it kind of felt bad. Like he was like, you know, here's this guy like who has this amazing, you know, incredible million dollar mark. He's, he's only a trader, I think uh, two or three years now. And he said, you know, and he just had this massive loss right before they recorded the podcast. But, but I, yeah. I, you know, I've only watched a little bit of the interview so far, but, but like, it feels to me like his taking it in stride you know, his ability to take that in stride is why he's been able to pass the million dollar mark. Yeah. Because he yeah. realizes that's part of this, you know, game. You can't yeah. expect yourself to always win. And if you take yeah. it personally and you get completely demoralized, you know, like what game are you playing? You know? Yeah. So I and thought that was really impressive. Okay. I think that's great. And I think that's something that like anyone who is trading should take away. Like very much to take away is that place of neutrality that you always talk about is because it's, if you are like pumping yourself up after a win, like, you know, that's, it, it, it's great. It feels good. I get it. But then the, the reverse of that is awful because if you, if you come down on yourself really hard when you're, when you lose, it's, it, that can be a, a self-fulfilling prophecy and you can just get in this like death spin of, of just going down and down. For sure. I'm not speaking from experience. Of I'm course not. I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we yeah, talked okay. about money a little bit and yeah. we were going to tie it into. Yeah. Um, uh, so another, uh, another uh, assessment that people could do around this one, this one is not necessarily money specific, but uh, is Diane Poole Heller's uh, attachment styles. Yes. Um, and so she has a, a, some really insightful work, I believe. Um, around the uh, attachment to a relationships that you have in your life. And I think these, if you, even if you just read the descriptions of what these are, you'll probably see yourself pretty quickly in which one it is. Um, and I think there's probably some overlap in the way that you approach relationships as also the way you approach money. Um, obviously there's no like, like a science and statistics behind this, but I think if, if nothing else, it's good for people to be aware of. Um, and these are the four. Well, the four science. Different... Let me let me just say one thing. There is science and statistics around attachment style. Yes. But yes. but but this concept that we're talking about of extending it into potentially your trading and your yeah. relationship to money, scarcity, or abundance is the part that we haven't kind of put under a litmus test. But, you know, we're hoping you, the viewing audience, will be our, <laughs> you know, guinea pigs to tell yeah. us if you see commonalities. So please go yeah. go forward with explaining. And I would say for myself, it, it, this I think holds true is like there's, there's a few different types of attachment styles. There's secure, there's um, disorganized um, and fearful avoidant. Uh, there's an avoidant dismissive. Um, and then there's anxious or ambivalent. Um, and so these are, uh, these are different ways you may uh, interact with relationships around you. Um, and uh, specifically, uh, Diane has seen these um, in the way that you were interacted with by your caretaker at a young age. 
um, you've probably, you've worked with her. Maybe you could explain yeah. it um, yeah. better than, than it, I even, can, even from in the womb, you know, like what the experience of usually it's your mother. Uh, but anybody who is, you know, caretaking from you after, after uh, you've been, you've been born. So I, I did work with Diane probably again, about eight, nine years ago. Uh, and it was really deep and intense. And while there are multiple, you know, kind of, there's a number by your attachment style. So, uh, you know, each of us have different percentages of secure attachment and or disorganized and or ambivalent. Um, but there's just percentages. And, and Fortunately, thank God, you know, you have, we have no control over how much secure attachment we get. But for the most part, you know, the highest score that I had was in having secure attachment. But the scores for uh, anxious and disorganized for me uh, was worth addressing, I felt. Yeah. And I could totally see that in some of my personal relationships, intimate relationships, that those I was like, oh, okay, I could see this playing out once I started to understand what attachment style represented. And even yeah. I do feel that money is the most intimate of, you know, intimate experiences. And we do have this sense of scarcity or abundance. I saw for myself, my relationship to money once I understood attachment style better for myself, I could see how that was unfolding, not just with the personal intimate relationships, but with things like money, things like my business, things like uh, the expectations that I may have of the world at large. So yeah. it was very helpful to me to understand, even in the midst of being potentially triggered by a, a big loss of some sort or a big win, I now can kind of get myself back to center and realize, oh, that could be through the lens right now of, you know, some of those triggers uh, that I kind of learned in my childhood. Uh, so yeah, that, that is, you know, kind of, a, a, I'm, I'm not getting into, I, I mean, should we, I don't know if we have that much time because we, you know, we talked a lot today, maybe the next time we come <laughs> together, but yeah. do you want to, do you, do you want, to explain or do you want me to explain you know what a couple of these are and what secure attachment you know literally um, is yeah i can i can talk about secure attachment so she she okay. describes uh like secure attachment um is is the ideal attachment style um needed to enjoy healthy boundaries fluidity of in intimacy individualization and social engagement um it's developed by the child having caregivers who are positively attuned to the child, uh, provide a safe haven with consistency and good enough care, attention, and affection. Children who experience this type of holding environment grow to feel safe to explore the world, interact with others with trust, and to have emotional resilience and regulation. As adults, they will tend to have greater confidence, better balance, and choices in relationships and the ability to both give and receive love. Yeah, beautiful. And I think I, so powerful. It, it just when you hear it, like I, I've heard it many times, but every time you hear it, you're like, well, of course that would yeah. go hand in hand. If yeah. you don't have your needs tended to as an infant, you're going to have a lens on the world. 
And that is the lens that I think ultimately what we're talking about today is realize that, you know, look, not all of our parents were in a position to, to attend to our needs, you know, yeah. and that didn't mean they were bad parents, didn't mean they were mean parents, didn't mean they didn't love us. They just maybe weren't equipped under different circumstances to have been able to really be there. And, yeah. uh, and if that happened to us, then we are going to have a lens on the world. We're going to have a lens on relationships and we're going to have a lens on our money and we're going to have a lens on our trading. That may not necessarily be us seeing it clearly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, absolutely. your windshield's being kind of dirty. Dirty. Yeah, you exactly. You can't really see out it. If the, you know, I don't know if this happens to you, but mine oftentimes on the inside of the windshield will get that like svitz that comes up, like if it's a little colder out than it is in warmer in the car. Mm -hmm. yeah, and it's like you can't yeah. kind of get rid of it. It's it's like you put on the defrost, doesn't really take it away. Then you realize, oh, probably I have to wipe it down because the carbon dioxide I've been breathing <laughs> on it. Like it's like you can't get rid of it. And that to me is like what happens if we don't have that secure attachment we're going to be distracted by it yeah yeah I, I and like you said i think and these things influence each other and can be a way to see how you interact with money um and and the world as a whole um and your ability yeah. to be with a loss in trading or your ability to be with a win in trading and not be super triggered yeah and not get too worked up in either way right yeah yep Exactly. Sure. That, that neutrality, if it feels out of reach, I think I want to just say it could be due to perhaps your attachment style. And the more you understand about attachment style, the better chance you have at being able to, you know, he, it talks about regulation, self-regulation, your ability to have emotional resilience and regulation and, and monitor that and be a yeah. steward of it. If you didn't have a good steward of it in your childhood, well, good God, you have to become a really good steward of it now in your adulthood and yeah. put in the kind of the, the, the bumper guards to keep yourself kind of on that track. Yeah. And these are, these are things that I, I know you've talked a lot about in the past, but it's like you build these habits um, at a time in the past. And like these are, we're talking about like habits that were almost like not forced on you, but given to you, right? And you've uh, totally. given you this lens to see the world and these habits to see the world. And then now you're having to like recognize what these habits are, how you, they hold you in the world, and then see if you want to keep holding on to them or maybe if it's better to let them go. And that's, Correct. that takes a lot of work. It's easy to say in like a 10 second explanation, but. <laughs> it takes a lot of work and a willingness to be with what's hard to be with. Yeah. And we, we've talked about the cognitive, you know, cost, right? Like it's so much easier to just do it the way you've always done it. Cause it's not as, it's not as exhausting. It's not as taxing to yeah. just your brain. Your brain is always looking for the shortcut because it yep. just wants to save on all its processing. Right. What do we, what we found out with Dan Crosby's book, right? 30% yeah. that the yeah. calorie consumption in the brain is like, it's yeah. a big freaking machine that takes a lot of energy. And now yeah. you want me to change something that's been with me since I've been in the womb of my mother? Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Kim, uh, you can take a sh long walk on a short pier. Like, I bet a lot of clients, <laughs> when they first come into coaching, they're like, oh, she's going to give me the pill that I can yeah, swallow right. and, and make it all with. better. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, well, I haven't found that pill yet myself. <laughs> <laughs> if you find it, let me know. Let me know. <laughs> 
exactly. Yeah. So we probably should bring this home. It's been almost yeah. an hour, but it yeah. was a good conversation, I thought, Lucas. Yeah, absolutely. Anything great. we want to close with? Anything we want to uh, speak to? We didn't get to talk about the judgment index, which um, really excited maybe, about talking about that. Maybe we can dive, dive deep on that uh, next time. But the judgment index is another assessment. I'll just tease it with this. Uh, yeah. It's another assessment. But this one, so in my opinion, uh, the, the uh, money harmony quiz and the attachment styles quizzes um, are similar to the Enneagram. Uh, where you can kind of, uh, you see the thing and it's like, this is, you could, you can, if you want, you can trick those. Like you have to be really, you have to have a lot of self-control to just like answer them honestly, in my opinion. Um, and so the judgment index is the complete opposite of that because it's just a bunch of sentences and you just kind of, and some of them don't make a ton of sense on the, on when you just look on them at the surface level. Uh, and then you just have to put them all in a row in, in like various orders of values. And it, in my opinion, is incredibly enlightening when you see the results. Um, and it's kind of like uh, basically doing <laughs> like a meditation retreat and like this a week's worth of self-awareness. Uh, but it takes about an hour. <laughs> oh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so it is like a little it's a quick it's a quick way to just be like, wow that that is me and you have to stare back at, at the mirror and the mirror is you don't get to put any filters over it um which is nice because it's you're able to see like these are these are things i can work on and these are things that i should be aware of about myself and it's it's amazing in my opinion so um it's amazing yeah. too I but think we can dive amazing. into that deeper next yeah time. We'll dive into more of that. And, this, and you guys might be wondering, where can you find this judgment style, uh, judgment index assessment? And you're going to actually find it on the wallstreetcoach.com. Uh, Lucas is just been certified in this technology. I have been just recently certified in this technology. We're going to be uh, offering this uh, exclusively to those who watch you know, this podcast and uh, the Wall Street Coach. There is a fee for it. Um, and we can talk about that if you're interested in it. But uh, you'll be blown away because it does let you be able to see on the personal side and the work side over, you know, I think it's up to 70 different interpretations of your judgment. And I feel, especially for traders, uh, no matter where you are in the bank game, but especially new traders, I think it's potentially going to save you a lot of time and trouble because it's going to let you look into the window of where your judgment style, you might have to be very cautious of it uh, so yeah. that you don't just jump into the deep end of the pool and lose, you know, a lot of your capital. Uh, you can kind of find this out right from the get-go and seeing the self side, you know, they talk about the self side is always the foundation, which the work side, I think trading sits upon. And yeah. I think just being able to see this for yourself will just help you understand yourself more and be able to then put more, again, that right bumper guard on your style of trading and or your way of living really. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I think we can close it out there and we'll, okay, uh, we'll okay, talk good. more in the future. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Thank you for coming on the podcast today and for yeah. being my co-host. And yeah. we hope you guys got a lot of value out of this. Please let us know if there's certain kinds of topics you want to see us discuss here or talk about or take on. Uh, you know, this, this is a podcast that obviously is going to be there uh, for the traders that are, you know, 
interested in what it is that I have to say, but I, I really hope people outside of the trading community will pay attention too, because I feel that, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So even if you're not a trader or you're thinking about maybe trading, uh, I believe you're going to get a lot of value in these conversations because these are just basic uh, tools and uh, kind of exercises and things to be aware of for you to have the kind of life I believe you probably want to have, which is one of more equanimity and joy and abundance. And ultimately, I feel all of these tools that I'm going to bring forward here and that Lucas and I are going to talk about uh, will be in service to that. So I'll close it up. We're going to, we say in Hawaii, a hui ho, which means until we meet again. And hopefully you guys will see you in the next episode. And thanks for watching. I'm Kim Ann Curtin. And my sidekick is Lucas Peterson. Aloha for now. This has been the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. You can find out more about her and her team online at thewallstreetcoach.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.